0: Welcome to A More Perfect Collingswood, hyperlocal news from the greatest town in the world. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza.
1: And I'm Kate Delaney. All right. Um,
0: if you listened to our last episode, which I'm sure all of you did because yeah. it was riveting. <laughs> um, you remember we were talking about how requests for proposals at the last meeting were um, rescinded and then reissued for some reason. Um, and Kate, did you learn anything more about that?
1: Yes, I heard that. Apparently, um, they there was inquiries what happened there, and the commissioner said that the problem was that their usual professionals that they contract with were not used to going out for bid, and so they were confused, and so <laughs> right. that they had to put it out again. I, I guess they had to like underline the uh, directions about how this works. Um, so this is you know why you need to stay in good habits. And not let them lapse for a few decades, and then no one, you know, forgets how these things are supposed to work.
0: Yeah, that's kind of worrisome, that if they, they didn't know how to do it, they must not have done this for What's a long a time.
1: How do we do it? Yeah, yeah
0: um, so, yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in, uh, in our commissioner's meeting recap, because that came up there. Um, and also in our last episode, um, Kate was talking about the situation at Parkview. And what was uh, a pretty severe heating situation there um, where, you know, up to a quarter of the residents weren't getting heat. And um, she had some some maybe not so nice words for our local government about that. Um, And Mayor Malley published an op-ed in the retrospect uh, accusing Kate of lying. Um, I'm not sure exactly what she was supposedly lying about. Uh, But Mayor Malley uh, claimed that Collingswood had a, and I quote, stringent landlord enforcement program. Um, And also that the reason Parkview isn't paying their full share of taxes is that a pilot program deal was made in 1996. uh, And it was a uh, 20-year, no, 30-year deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not expired yet. So uh, it's not... I, I was was Malley the mayor back then. Yeah. Okay. So it's been i been around
1: since 89, 32 so, years.
0: Yeah. He so he said that he, the way the way it was phrased, it was like, oh, it's not. Why are you getting on my back about this? This was done, you know, twenty some years ago. But, I mean. It was still him. <laughs> yeah, he still did it. So I don't, <laughs> right. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But it, it, is, it is the case that it's not something he just decided to do recently.
1: Right. And I think it makes a case, too, that, like, so you make these long-term tax abatements and then perhaps these corporate entities you make these deals with can lapse into very bad habits. Yeah. So, I mean, according to the state, there's supposed to be internal review committees that are looking at these pilots and... You know, that doesn't seem to be the experience of the folks at Parkview that there is stringent enforcement. They're not experiencing that at all.
0: Yeah. And did you. So did you read
1: this op-ed? I did. I tried to. Bill Johnson, my running mate, gave me the highlights. OK. And he noted he read the parts to me that mentioned me by okay. name.
0: <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know what you were supposedly lying about? Because I didn't I didn't quite pick up on what the what he was saying that you you're you were saying that wasn't
1: true. Yeah. So while he said that I had I referenced an article from an era of Collingswood political history that, you know, well, because it was the whole Airbnb issue (laughs) um, where he talked about. And this was from I I cited the date. I think it was like June something, 2018. He talked about how he worked hard and and he cited Collingswood's revival as made possible by his work to get renters out of the neighborhoods rental uh, right. units out of the neighborhoods. And that may be the case. There was a concerted effort to get rental properties, to get duplexes, convert it back to single family. Um, and I think that is not you know necessarily something that is positive in some ways. I think we can see that showing up in our school districts. Um, and again, we have all the renters kind of warehoused in one apartment complex at Parkview. Again, a quarter of our town lives there. And my article was really about needing more enforcement, and you know, hoping that was going to happen. Um, I also talked about Parkview issuing evictions when this sh- is legally not supposed to be happening. So there was an executive order by the governor saying that this should not be happening. Um, so that's so. Again, he said that I was citing an article from 1996. Maybe I was citing an article. From 2018, if you go to our website, which is CollingswoodTogether.org, dot um, org, the uh, retrospect piece from me is up there.
0: Okay, and this is very interesting. I just tried to click on the the link to the to the post because they had originally posted it on their uh, political site, right? Um, and that it's it's not there anymore.
1: Ah, well. so
0: I don't know if. Um, if this is something they're standing by, I don't know why it would have been taken down.
1: Yeah. So I would say that my op-ed was about Parkview. First of all, Morgan Properties needs to do better. Um, we need more enforcement. And then I think we need to think about who we are letting off the hook in terms of paying full, their full tax levy. I don't think that a corporate entity that isn't doing right by our residents should be doing that. I think there should be, you know, maybe more enforcement and his point that, you know, it was a great thing to do in 1996. Maybe. But I think that this is why, you know, deeply entrenched power is a problem. You can't use the 1996 playbook here in 2021. We need to look at what's actually happening in the lives of our residents.
0: Yeah. And I'm uh, I'm really confused about what his position is on renters. Um, because he seems to be saying that, like, he loves renters and wants lots of renters in the town and values the renters we have. Um, but at the same time, he's saying that, you know you know back back in the day duplexes were a problem and he's really glad that we got rid of all the duplexes or a lot of them um which um and they were converted you know single family houses which Mm -hmm. to me sounds like he's saying he's glad he chased off all the renters
1: right which is an issue of class and also race often yeah
0: yeah um
1: and the airbnb thing became an issue i think also of gender right so you know because you're part of all these conversations it was a lot of like women that were divorced or widowed that wanted to take in a renter so they could stay in town.
0: Yeah, and my, my whole impression of the Airbnb thing was it was like a very weird, it was almost like xenophobic. Mm-hmm. That it was like people at the meetings would come and they'd talk about how they didn't want like transients in town or they didn't want a, they didn't want somebody staying at the house next door that they didn't know. Right. Like anyone who doesn't own property in Collingswood is some kind of threat.
1: Right, there was kind of a nimbyism going on there i think Well, it was more just like
0: fear of right. of people who aren't you know one of us right which was very strange to me because that's i, I don't know why people would be afraid of that or I like i kind of i can guess why people would be afraid of that but it's not a good reason
1: right exactly right well, yeah we can guess but we don't want that yeah and it yeah it just
0: struck me as like this weird xenophobic thing i don't know if it was a race thing Um, But it was definitely like a fear of outsiders kind of deal that uh, that I that surprised me that a lot of people felt. And it really surprised me that the the commissioners designed an ordinance with that in mind.
1: Yeah, I think what bothered me the most was that the people that were advocating for it were all people who were very involved in the town. They were mostly or all women. Um And they the people that were
0: advocating for allowing Airbnb. for home sharing,
1: yeah. And yeah. they were there, and they said things like, "I don't want to leave Collingswood. My kids are grown, maybe, but I don't want to sell my house. I'm really involved and invest it in the town." And then Mally would say things like, "Oh, old Miss McGillicuddy, she raised her kids here, but then her husband died, and now we gotta ship her off to the old folks' home." I mean, I that's I live. One of my neighbors is ten years older than my dad, so she's eighty three. And I learned a ton from her about gardening, canning. Like, I'm really glad that there's, like, age diversity, generational diversity in my neighborhood. So I I don't subscribe to that view at all.
0: Wait, so did he really say that?
1: About old Mrs. McGillicuddy? Yes. One of my committee members was always laughing about old Mrs. McGillicuddy. She raised her kids here, but now it's time for old Mrs. McGillicuddy to get out of here. Yeah. And uh... so it's like, it's ageist, it's sexist, it's, 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 it's problematic. Old Mrs. McGillicuddy, first of all, it's like a stereotype, but also, like, Yeah, like these are people you should know. These The women that we're advocating are are invested in our town.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. Well, so moving on from that. Yes. um, It's time for your campaign plank. All right. Um, This is a section where Kate, uh, as you know, if you are a regular listener, Kate is running for commissioner in the election this May. And uh, she's going to share one uh, campaign plank each episode. So, Kate, why don't you take it away?
1: Yes. So May 11th, 2021, Collingswood together. Kate Delaney, Bill Johnson, Jen Rossi. And one issue that we've been hearing a a lot about as we talk to folks is, of course, issues of affordability and wanting to make sure the town stays affordable for people. So this is like a a huge issue to tackle in conversations is to think about how you make life more affordable for residents Um, But one thing I think is really important is increased accountability. So as someone who goes to all the meetings, who spends a lot of time combing through budgets and all of that, um, also not to give away future items in this podcast, but as someone who wants to know more about future capital um, plans, projects that we're going to undertake, I've been thinking about, you know, for instance, a public safety building, a big project and how that unfolded. Um, And I think that there needs to be, Clear information given to residents about the investments in our community. So I was actually rewatching some of the old forums on the public safety building. And what was conspicuously missing was real financial details. So residents would be like, what is this going to cost us? And the mayor would say, oh, almost nothing, almost nothing. <laughs> I can give you a number, but I'm not going to get into the weeds of municipal finance. And then when there was some pushback, one resident was actually like, cut off. Like, he was not allowed to comment anymore. Um, so I think that, again, maybe when you're in office many decades, you kind of have territorial feelings about tax dollars, but it is the public's money. So I think the public needs to have those clear financial details, Um, I also think a problem with those forums is I was looking at them again. So people were standing up and they were saying like, there's going to be a lot of traffic. It's in my neighborhood or it's going to be loud all the time as they're doing construction. And all it was was like, and then other people would be like, this is important because I was like dying in a car accident. And I want to make sure that there's like ambulances that people can, you know, get access to. So I feel like there was no real way to like wait and aggregate everybody's concerns. It was just like, everyone stood up had an emotional feeling and then sat back down. So there needs to be some way to like assess that there needs to be like some kind of, I've been using the term social impact calculator for projects. So thinking about environmental impact, health and wellness, fiscal, obviously. Um, so there needs to be more clarity around that. And then again, about the budget, there should be a lot more clarity. There should be public participation. I was looking at Haddonfield's budget and they actually have a really well done budget message. So they have at the beginning, they have like a pie chart, three-dimensional pie chart. So you can see how much you're spending on school pie chart and roads.
0: You heard it here, folks.
1: There's a pie chart future coming your way. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's like, it breaks it down also in a table. So, you know, for instance, how much you're spending on debt service. So Collingswood has one of the highest mu- levels of municipal debt in the state. I want people to know what that costs them. So he, you know, said in those public forums when people were like concerned about debt, Well, it's like if you pay off your car, then you go out and get a new car. But again, that's a public conversation. Not everybody pays off their car and then gets themselves a new car the next day. So I think that there needs to be more accountability in terms of budget, in terms of public projects. Um, Certainly contracts will get to that. And I think if we have more information, the public has more information that can lead to affordability for residents.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that would be nice. And, uh, you know, I think it would be, you know, I I just want people to understand that, like, if you have that kind of information uh, available, look, I know you're not going to read it. Um, But it's for enthusiasts like me and Kate here (laughs) um, to read and then you know, on programs like this or on other forums to, like, explain to people, okay, this is the information, this is what happened. Um, because I hear this sort of thing, and I'm like, oh, well, you know, who's going to read that? But it's right. not it's not for everyone to read. It's for the people who really care to read, and then they can, uh, you know, take it to everyone else in a more ju- digestible format.
1: Right, and I think, like, the school district, right? So they pass that mental health initiative. Whenever the school district wants more money out of taxpayers, they have to go to the taxpayers and say, this is what we want to do. Our, you know, municipal government doesn't. So we often don't really know until it's already planned, and then they roll it out as, "Hey, tell us what you think," but it's already a done deal.
0: Yeah. Now there are laws about um, how much debt a municipality can have, right? Yes. Um. Are we so? Are we just like at the maximum?
1: We're slightly over the maximum, so oh. we're at three point oh eight percent. That sounds illegal. Um. You have to get special dispensation from the state to go over three percent. Ah. So we're a lot more in debt than most of our neighbors. We are a lot more in debt than most towns our size. And we are um, a lot more debt even to, you know, towns that have our form of government. So we have a really high, you know, level of debt that I think needs to be right.
0: and, what are, and what are the consequences of that?
1: Um, debt service. So just like, you know, if you have a lot of debt on your credit card, you have to keep paying mm. it off. Right.
0: And municipalities aren't like the federal government. Right. We can we can't just, uh, you know, print money to pay the debts. No,
1: no one can do that in the back somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, basement so, of the
1: community center print the money. <laughs>
0: yeah. So like I know people probably hear a lot about, you know, the national debt. Right. Um, but this is like a completely separate issue because there are there is a hard limit on how much a municipality can spend each year. Right. So if we have debts to pay, that's that's taking away from other budget items. Right. All right. So thank you, Kate, Um, uh, for for our listeners. That's just one thing you can expect from a uh, Kate Delaney administration. Uh, So we're going to move on to our commissioner's meeting recap. There are actually two commissioner's meetings uh, this this well, like at the end of last month and then one at the beginning of this month. Um, The first one was on December 29th. Um, and it was really just a few minor financial things. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it. It was only about 10 minutes long. I didn't notice anything worth commenting on. Kate, do you have anything that mm-hmm. you think was especially uh, interesting there?
1: No, I think the next commissioner's meeting was okay. more...
0: Specific. Yeah, so the real yeah. commissioner's meeting was on January 4th, uh, and it started off by uh, they announced the holiday decoration winners, so congratulations to, to everyone there. I know uh, my uh, I was talking... Uh, in our first episode about how much I loved the, the Christmas lights that everybody put mm-hmm. up. Um, so congratulations to everyone who won there. Um, and the So the first ordinance that they discussed was a first reading of an ordinance amending stormwater management. Um, and uh, it could seem to me that they were just adding things to the local ordinance that were required by state law. Um, so I didn't see anything too interesting going on there. Did you, Kate?
1: No, yeah, like you said, they had to do this, um, so they basically just issued the state-recommended guidelines.
0: Okay. Um, they did a first reading of an ordinance updating the process for street maintenance. Again, didn't seem that interesting to me. Yeah,
1: no, I assume that's <clears throat> related to the public safety building.
0: Yeah. Um, then they did a first reading of an ordinance amending the rental property ordinance, which uh, I this confused me a little bit because Mayor Malley introduced it, and he says that it was updating our ordinance to refer to the state housing code instead of something mm-hmm. called the boca code right um so it sounded like it was just they were updating our ordinance to comply with state law but that the state law had applied this whole time anyway right so it really wasn't a substantive change right um more of a gesture <laughs> yeah so but he, introduced this by saying that it was meant to address the heating issues in Parkview. Right. So I don't understand how it would do that if it's just, if, if the state law code was already in place. It doesn't seem like it's a, an actual change You don't think someone anything. got
1: a phone call over at Morgan Properties and said, oops, new ordinance, <laughs> turn the heat on for all the residents now. <laughs> I somehow doubt no, that that happened. <laughs>
0: um, so I, I yeah, I, I don't know what, how this would help anything. I mean it's probably it's probably a good thing to do. Right. To to reflect state law, but I don't right. I don't see this as, you know, <laughs> taking action right on the issue of right. people freezing in Parkview. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any uh Well, any I, mean, I asked
1: at the meeting what the plan was for enforcement and that continues to be my question. Um I mean, the heating issue is the most glaring problem, but talking to residents there there's a lot of other issues in terms of like water there's issues of mold remediation there's just issues of like not being able to get anyone on the phone that they will have like a laundry list of things someone told me that they had a broken like dishwasher for a year they went online and they saw that like it was marked as done they finally managed to get somebody on the phone and they were like oh yeah we just took it off the queue we just checked it off. They're like, "Well, I still
0: have <laughs> a new dishwasher." Like, well, that's a, what's an, what an innovative solution. That's how you get to, <laughs> just check it off. I did
1: it right. Yeah, that happen? So I think there's massive communication problems between the property and the residents, and you know, people. Again, it's a giant portion of our town. You know, there needs to maybe be a tenants association, but there also needs to be a local government that is advocating for them as residents of this town. So again, I don't, I don't know that the ordinance is going to do that, and you know, I, I believe that when you know they call the you know nuisance officer, that he shows up. But again, why is the borough undertaking the job that should be Morgan Properties? They're not a small company; they're huge. They have the resources to take care of their their tenants, and they should be made to use those resources.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'll just skip ahead to because you did comment on this in the meeting, and. Yeah. And I, I encourage all of our listeners to go actually watch this <laughs> because uh, it was, I mean, I don't really know what to say about it, but uh, Mayor Malloy was obviously annoyed that you were asking about this. Uh, I think technically it was the wrong part of the meeting, Kate. So it was, I, yes. you should, you know, next time make sure you're <laughs> complying with all the proper procedures before you complain about people freezing to death. <laughs> um but so she she asked you know what what are we doing about parkview because you know that's that's what these these you know dueling op-eds were about right that's right. what everyone agrees that this is a problem mm-hmm. everyone agrees that it hasn't the enforcement hasn't been working and uh, literally what he said was we're gonna it's gonna be the same enforcement that it's always been
1: womp womp yeah and it's <laughs> like you just wrote
0: a whole thing about how you know that that's not working. And and so what what do you what do you mean it's going to be the same as it's always been? So you mean nothing's going to change? Right. And I don't know. That was I just found that kind of uh surprising. Right. That that's how the that's how we put that. Uh so I don't know. I guess the plan for Parkview is uh let them freeze. Or- yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, make some changes on the books, but don't demand that they do better. They need to do better. There needs to be demands made of them.
0: Yeah, and so, like, what can the, do you know, like, what can the the township do here?
1: I mean, it feels to me like they should be able to fine them, right? That's mm-hmm. what they would do if it was, you know, when you were a renter and the uh, property owner had, what, extension cords or something that was yeah. a, cr- a crime. <laughs> I mean, there would be fines, right? They fine people if their lawns get too ugly looking and they had to fix them and they had to you know weed whack or whatever they do fine right they would do it to residents do it to parkview
0: that's certainly something these management companies are responsive to right um if they're if they're losing money on something they're going to take care of it yeah so yeah how about uh how about how about we issue some fines yeah all right well let me see the next ordinance Uh, This is related to what we were talking about earlier It was an ordinance to exceed municipal budget Appropriation limits And establish a cap bank This is the first reading of this ordinance Um, And the way Mayor Malley Explained it was that it allows them To uh, quote Bank um, The amount that they go under the legal budget Limits year to year So we were talking about how there's a law about how much Municipalities can borrow right? But apparently if you go under that you can you can bank the amount that you went under, right, for future use. Yes, and they they, they say this is this is this particular ordinance is something they pass every year, and it's just there in the case of emergency.
1: Yeah, the COLA ordinance, cost of living adjustment.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And they do pass it, and everywhere passes it. It's really standard. Mm-hmm. So all the so wait,
0: this is just a cost of living adjustment.
1: Yes, that's what it's called.
0: Okay. So what what is the, what do, what are they banking then? What is that the cap think- bank?
1: I think it's like one point five percent that mm-hmm. they can raise extra to have, a, as you said, sort of a cushion if they need to spend more. Okay, and, and is then that, that just it rolls uh, over?
0: Is that so? But like, if they if they have a balanced budget one year, right? Can they then the next year can they go over their budget by three percent because they they banked the percent and a half? I believe
1: so. Yes. Okay, because
0: that sounded to me like what what he was what the mayor was saying.
1: A rainy day fund kind yeah. of idea, right?
0: um so i guess i guess that's uh that's not something that's that's really an issue
1: no like i said i think that's pretty standard i don't okay. think there's anything problematic with the cola orders. okay yeah all
0: right uh i'm glad i asked you then because i i was seeing this as related to what we were talking about with the high levels of debt right that we're carrying uh but good all right. So the next ordinance was a first reading establishing fees for police outside employment, right. which was just uh, how much the police charge for doing things that um, other people hire them for. Right. Um, which I didn't actually look at what the prices are, but I, I wouldn't know if they were good or bad. <laughs>
1: right. So,
0: but I don't know anything. That's why Kate's here.
1: There was also some discussion about the wages of our police officers. Yes. Um, that reinforce actually what i've heard which is that um kind of you know entry level it does not pay very well and because of that we have a lot of turnover
0: yes that is um that i actually heard that directly from chief carey right on the uh the police advisory board right um he said that was one of the real the real difficulties with retaining officers right. was that uh neighboring towns pay more Right. So, you know, we can we get young officers, we give them their training for a year or two, and then they leave for a higher paying position. Right. Um, so it's hard to, to have experienced officers. So I think uh, raising raising officer pay is probably a good idea.
1: Right. And I think, you know, it might kind of like seem contradictory to progressive agendas. But I do think if you're asking officers to like do anti-bias training, you're hoping to kind of have a paradigm shift, then you need to obviously have people that are staying in town
0: yeah and like if you look at like all these incidents around the country of police abuses right it's almost always these young and officers
1: right right so
0: i think it's certainly to the towns in, in the town's interest to be able to have more experienced officers on staff
1: yeah definitely
0: um and you know i think you know i think our police department does a pretty good job in in the first place um so uh but that's uh, and I think we're we're over at the uh, advisory board. We're looking into a, uh, a number of improvements to the police department. So I am uh, I would you know, I think it's a good idea to uh, up the up the officer pay for the uh, the newer, less experienced officers to try to retain them for a little longer than we have been.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of teachers. Right. Same thing. You get teachers that take a job somewhere. They get one year under their belt of teaching and then they leave. Yeah. Alright.
0: Um, so then they introduced Collingswood Prime home delivery. Yes. Which sounds like a fun program. Um this is actually run by the same person who opened the fish tank uh uh co working space. Which oh is, and hadn't touched it. Yeah, yeah. which is and I use that for a uh for Meeting with clients Oh Because nice. I don't have A dedicated office space Right um, So I rent space over there And she's uh, She's It's really She's wonderful I love her um, She also ran The block bike When we did The remote farmer's market Oh nice um, They would come And deliver your vegetables I actually used it A couple of times It was great Nice um, So it's uh, It's another delivery service um, Where you can order things From local businesses And they'll bring them To your door Which uh, is awesome Definitely Yeah, it's great. It's keeping money in the town, um, but not sacrificing the convenience of uh, home delivery. Uh, And I think the details aren't quite fleshed out yet.
1: No. Yeah. Um,
0: But it's, I think it's going to be introduced pretty soon.
1: It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, There's been some
0: press coverage, yeah. So uh, we're all looking forward to that. Um, There was some, let me see. Okay. So there were like a whole bunch of resolutions they passed. Um, I think we 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 picked out the ones that were particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a lot of uh, you know, appointing professional services, um, and this is where they did talk about how they they didn't used to take bids,
1: yeah, and
0: they they decided to this year. They um, did.
1: I would say you know it, it's interesting though. Afterwards, the retrospect. God love them. They they tracked down the actual contracts. Which, of course, is not, I mean, I file a lot of open requests, but I don't usually, sometimes I get contracts. Um, but what they found was that actually the contracts were more expensive this year. And there was, like, multiple contracts to, to Brown and Connery. Um, so there was some price hikes. There was a, um, a couple of contracts that had no cap. So previous years, there was a cap for how much they could earn that year. And they removed that. One of them was for the um, new joint land use board, which I have been saying might not be... The wonderful thing that my friend Wes Femza thinks it's going to be. <laughs> but when they got rid of the zoning board, I was told it was because it was going to be such a money saver. Mm. And yet it would seem that might not be true.
0: Yeah. That's interesting that they combine them to save money. And then but there's left, not a saving. Yeah. Left the expense. Op- they, they left it open-ended, right? So- They've left
1: it open-ended for, um, Sandy Kelly, the Barrow PR, uh-huh. um, for I think Remington and Vernick, Madden and Madden, um, Again, Brian and Connery got two giant contracts. And apparently the retrospect also called to ask why they had hired three different firms for labor council, and they got no response from the commissioners.
0: Interesting. Well, so, maybe that's something you can bring up at the the next commissioner's meeting.
1: Yes. Why all these people? Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, it's good that they put it out to bid, but, you know, and Rob Lewandowski said a little thing about it's great. Um, I've actually been digging into the... Um, i to r that happened in uh oh six that you know Mali opposed so residents wanted to have something on the books outlawing pay to play Mali said we like pay to play residents <laughs> voted that they do not like pay to play um so the yes vote to for the ban carried i think it was like oh they won by 448 it was like a which is a big number for a victory in this town landslide it's a landslide. it was a landslide. Um, but I think the problem is sometimes when you ask politicians that are going to do this stuff, they just move it further underground. So as we've talked about before, they just like filter it through the party. Yeah. So the money still is there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I, I'm they also they, it was not clear to me whether they were they put out um, requests for proposals or the, uh, the RFQs that we were talking about right. last time because yes. they were they were sort of conflating those in the meeting. Right. Uh, so I don't know which which actually went out. Um, but you know, it's still, it's still good, better to do it than not do it. Right. And I, I mean, I, I blame you for this, Kate.
1: That's fine. I because that blame. I, I feel like,
0: <laughs> I feel like you've been agitating for this. I have, yeah. agitator um, for good government. And they are, you know, there's an election coming up. So I think they don't want you to be able to go out there and say, hey, these guys, uh, you know, were just giving away these no-bid contracts.
1: Right, right.
0: So, uh, you know, I think, I, I think you count that as a policy victory. Absolutely. So thanks, Kate. For, You're welcome, Wes. For getting <laughs> for getting the town to take bids, even though yeah. it didn't seem to save much money. Right. <laughs> um But in a Kate Delaney administration, there would be a real bidding process. Absolutely, I'm yes.
1: And if people were like, I don't know what this is, then they'd have to familiarize <laughs> themselves.
0: <laughs> and uh, hopefully you'll get, you know, multiple bids right. for each service. And companies actually bidding against each other to try to lower the price which is you know how which how is it's what bidding is supposed to be about yeah. exactly right um all right so that the the that meeting had some an actual public comment which hasn't happened in a while right um we already we already covered your comment about parkview um lorraine prince had a comment about stormwater management um that i didn't i couldn't quite follow what she was asking for um it was something about how um we should be getting more in exchange for zoning variances, either greater fees or some kind of environmental mitigation, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't. Uh, I, I guess that's what she wants. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because it seemed to be directed at, um, you know, like small projects for the for property owners, which, uh, you know, I've already complained to you about how how much mm-hmm. paperwork I had to do to install a pool. Uh, which I hope I hope we're not gonna be adding more of a hassle to that sort of project.
1: Well, we got rid of the zoning board and we've got the more expensive <laughs> <laughs> land use boards. So I think you're all set.
0: All right. All right. And then Kate, you had another comment about the increase in water and sewer appropriations. Right. Um so why don't you tell us a little bit about what what your comment was there?
1: Yeah, so I mean I had a couple questions that were all about um on the theme of water. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the water, I I asked basically about the water and sewer system. It seems like costs are going up. Um, you know, retrospect coverage of this corroborated that feeling. Um, I think anyone that's gotten their bill recently might have seen that as well. Um, so, yeah, so I was asking about cost. I was asking about a shared service. Do you want to introduce that item?
0: Um, yeah, so there was a shared services agreement with camden for emergency water um mayor malley says this is for you know in case just in case there's an emergency with our water supply something happens to it we can't supply water to everybody that we have shared services with camden so we can use their water supply um, temporarily until we get ours back working again
1: it felt like when I asked what, what was going on there, what I really wanted was, you know, there's a mention of emergency water services. I think for a lot of people that can be concerning. We're kind of depending on water excess. Um, Camden has semi privatized water. So they have um, water privatization through American water. American water has a track record of shutoffs. I think that water privatization can be complicated because then the public doesn't necessarily know about the quality of their water because again, it's sort of, you know, behind a curtain once it's privatized. Um, So I was asking about that, how we factor in American waters role in there. Um, If we anticipate that there will be emergency water needs in Collingswood, are we anticipating that Camden is going to have emergency water needs? You know, what is the financial cost benefit analysis for our town? And I feel like the answer I kind of got was when I asked was like shared services or when you share with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I, certainly, I, I got that. I, I got certainly that.
0: didn't hear any financial details. <clears throat> no.
1: So again, it goes to my point of like, you know, that, that's sort of what I was getting at. Um, but that was not really answered. Yeah,
0: and I think you know I don't have a problem with the shared services agreement in theory, right? Um, certainly, certainly it's good to have plans for an emergency. Absolutely, right. Um, apparently lightning struck one of our our water plants, right, in twenty twenty, and uh, it didn't. We still had enough water to supply to the town, but you know things happen. It's good. Right. Right. It's good to have a, a backup plan. Right. Um, but yeah, the financial details would probably be worth looking into. Um, so I feel <laughs> like that would have been nice if they right. answered that part. Um, you also had another another uh, water related question, um, and this time was about what we were talking about last episode, where we have to the the town needs a new water filtration system. Right. And right now we have a a temporary system. A rental. Right. Yeah. And again, this was just a financial <laughs> yeah. question. You were asking, okay, what's exactly. right. what kind of timeline and what kind of costs are we looking at to build this new. Um water filtration Mm -hmm. system Right um and the He said he said you know ballpark around Seven to nine million um Total but there was no Timeline right so You know I guess we'll Uh keep asking
1: exactly Right so yeah and I mean Yeah that was my question was really About timeline financials Um part of The cost I think Of you know associated with Um water for for residents is that we are as you said we're so we right now we have the merchantville Pennsauken and water commission but we have to like rent these kind of you know stopgap filters and then we need to build this facility so it is a big project and kind of to go yeah. back to and lorraine, we covered this in our
0: last episode right uh, so if you if you want to yeah. know more about that uh go go listen to episode two
1: right and i would say that's kind of for lorraine prince's point about you know impervious coverage there's environmental issues about these big projects so It'd be good to get better answers. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. And that was the So that was the commissioner's meeting. The Next meeting is February 1st. Uh, if you want to watch on Zoom or you can uh, watch it the next the next day on the on the YouTube channel. Um, as always, I encourage everyone to go back and watch this one. If you're looking for Kate's comments,
1: um, <laughs> they're they scattered are scattered throughout. <laughs> they're, well, they're, well, they're,
0: they're right in the middle. Right. Um, so I know we covered them at the end. So, but if you go to the end, you're not going to see them. Um, look right in the middle. It's sort of between two sections. Uh, probably, I think it's around 20 minutes in. Um, so other issues that we wanted to talk about this week. I think we only had one, which is the, uh, which was about the school district. Right. Uh, no, I saw this in, uh, in NJ Penn, I think that the school district recently settled a lawsuit for, Do you remember? Do you know? Remember how much the number
1: was?
0: (laughs) It was like, was it like a million dollars?
1: Yeah, I think it was pretty hefty.
0: Yeah, I think it was like nine hundred thousand some. So that that sounds like, you know, quite quite the budget item, right? Um, And do you know it was about um, a child abduction, right? That some uh, one of the children in the school was being, uh, you know, stalked and groomed by a child predator, right? And the school allowed her to use a was it a school provided laptop yeah it was
1: a school device yeah. yeah it was
0: some kind of school device to communicate with them and the school had been informed about this mm-hmm. right and then they they yeah. didn't uh you know and i think i think the the settlement wasn't an admission of wrongdoing right i don't think but you know if you're paying out a million dollars kind right. of speaks for itself
1: right right
0: um so i mean do you have any insight into this or yeah, comments. I mean, I remember
1: when it happened and, um, you know, there was a lot of concern, obviously, in the community. First, when she was missing um, and, you know, it did it, it escalated and she was, I think, found in Philly. She had been lured there by he was at least 20, took her phone. I think she managed to get her phone back for a few minutes. The police found her that way. Um, but there was like other details that came out like that she had either spoken to the, to a school counselor or maybe her friends had. Um, The parents had asked the district not to let her use the device. I think, you know, at, at home or they wanted it restricted. Um, And I remember the, I think the district said at the time that it was up to the parents to limit what sites your kids could be on. So now that I have a middle schooler, I can fully appreciate (laughs) what a difficult task that would be. I mean, I definitely try and keep tabs on what both of my kids are doing now. They're remote learning. So they're on screens all the time, but you know, there needs to be more, I think, just, you know, filters. So my husband is a teacher and there is a lot, you know, a lot of sites are just locked that they can't get on. Um, Not that I'm saying, you know, it's a whole hog for censorship here, but there are sites that, you know, there needs to be a lot of conversations about digital literacy, digital safety. Um, My group, uh, the Collingswood Educational Advocacy Group, actually did an event kind of right after this whole thing happened because we felt like parents were like, oh my God, what do I do? How to, how do I make sure that this isn't my child that, you know, gets on one of these sites, ends up trusting someone they meet online. Um, so it was a good event and I think that it was useful, but this idea that we're supposed to have like a laundry list of sites that our kids can't go on, it's just not, you know, there's, there's new spots on the internet all the time. Like this, that's not going to be working well. I think that, you know there was miscommunication or missed opportunities for communication um and obviously you know a lot of harm especially to to that girl
0: yeah so this is this was the first i heard about it but apparently uh you were you had you had heard about this back when it happened yeah i guess it would have been years ago
1: i think it was maybe 17 18 it wasn't that long ago all right yeah
0: um and so like so you're you're what so what what's your solution then to prevent this sort of thing in the future I know you said digital literacy is that uh, right. is that something they can teach in the school um, or is it are you do you think monitoring is necessary
1: I or? mean I, I think that if there is a way to restrict sites that that will be good especially on you know district issued devices mm-hmm. um, I think there could be more events you know for parents even maybe there could be trainings you know maybe I don't know maybe they Go when the kids get their devices. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, in this particular circumstance, it sounded like that the school was aware that there was a problem with this particular student. Right. So, I mean, I think probably different things could have been done there.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, but yeah, I guess I'd, I'd be in favor of you know specific uh, classes or lessons in digital literacy. I think that's probably a really important skill for kids to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I told my daughter this story. She's in mm-hmm. sixth grade now, and she was kind of horrified that this yeah. had happened you know I left out the scarier details or I just paraphrased, but I did say like this is why you need to be careful on who you're connecting with online and you know kind of like all those uh drunk driving things we used to be treated to in high school where they would show you like a smashed up car <laughs> like I'm not yeah. saying like a scared straight sort of thing about digital literacy is necessarily the way to go but I think there needs to be a lot more conversation and education about it
0: yeah well, I gotta tell you those things didn't work no so, so- uh, <laughs> I hope I hope they would uh, they would have some sort of uh, program where they, you know, tell kids the truth.
1: Right. Instead of just trying to scare them. And it may be that it's happening. I don't know if it's happening. It could be that there are those classes already occurring. I haven't heard about them, but that doesn't mean they're not occurring. Okay.
0: Well, uh, well hopefully they are. And uh, hopefully we can avoid this sort of thing in the future, both for humanitarian reasons and uh, school budget-related reasons. Uh, all right. Well... We're coming to the end of the show. That's so right. as always, we're going to talk about something we love about Collingswood. And Kate, what do you love about Collingswood this week?
1: So I've been doing a lot of uh, giving and receiving from the Buy Nothing group in Collingswood. I don't know if you're part of those groups. I'm, Buy Nothing. I not,
0: What is the Buy Nothing group?
1: So the Buy Nothing group, there's also Collingswood Resource Exchange. It's just people oh, I am part of that one. That just give away stuff or say that they're in search of things.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I'm also in the curb alert group. Yeah. I put, I put stuff out sometimes.
1: So, you know, it keeps things out of the landfills or the incinerator, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> oh, God, the
0: incinerator.
1: <laughs> and I have been um, giving away in kind of a couple of different batches all the cloth diapers that I had with my kids. So that was kind of nice in a nostalgic kind of way. And I got to pass them along to people that are interested in cloth diapering. So I got to connect to some people that, you know, have very young kids or are expecting their first, so that was fun.
0: All right. And uh what I want to I want to give a shout out to a new restaurant called Lee Beirut. Um for uh we had a covid scare in uh in in my family on Christmas Eve. Oh no. Yeah, so we so we did not go spend Christmas Eve with uh the family as we were planning. Uh, so instead, we ordered dinner from Lee Beirut, which is a new Lebanese restaurant. Um, it replaced Porch and Proper, which I never actually went to, um, on Collings Avenue by Whitehorse Pike. Um, previously, it had been Indie Blue. Uh, so there's a new Lebanese restaurant there, and it was awesome. Um, really great. Lots of, like, great meat and great, like, spiced vegetables. Lots of vegetarian options. Um, and I, I, actually, uh, ran it by my, my Lebanese friend and she claimed that it would actually, all the menu items were stuff that she has trouble finding anywhere else. So it sounds, uh, sounds like very authentic. Um, and it was just very good. And I'm really glad that there is a, a new, uh, restaurant there in a, uh, a style that I don't see very often. Yeah. That sounds awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, if anyone has any questions for either of us, um, you know, feel, let us know. Um, don't ask me any questions because I don't know anything. <laughs> um, but if you have questions you for just Kate, ask me. <laughs> yeah, I'll just ask Kate. So you might as well just ask Kate directly. <laughs> um, but yeah, let us know, um, and we'll feature. You know, we can feature listener feedback. That'd be um, fun, yeah. Or any. So if any questions or comments you have, um, let us know, and we'll uh, we might feature them on an upcoming episode. Um, as always, thanks for listening and we'll be back in, uh, probably a month or so after the next commissioner's meeting. Um, cause I know, I know you guys can't live without our commissioner's meeting <laughs> recaps. Um, so we'll see you next time. Thanks for